0: Welcome to the Littler diversity and inclusion podcast conversations related to the human resource challenges of an ever evolving workforce. Welcome to episode nine of my diversity, equity and inclusion podcast series, your diversity and inclusion toolkit. My name is Elisha Asgard-Dotson, and I am a diversity, equity and inclusion trainer consultant, and a shareholder with Littler Mendelssohn, the largest management-side labor and employment law practice in the world. After about a year of reaching for the low-hanging, but no less challenging, fruit in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, I've recently been working with several employers who are looking beyond their own borders. In particular, employers want to extend their internal efforts at developing DEI-enhancing recruitment initiatives to their external relationships with vendors and suppliers. To do so, employers are beginning to add supplier or vendor diversity to their DEI plans. In other words, employers are asking their suppliers and their vendors to create their own diversity initiatives that broaden the impact of the movement. A diverse supplier is often defined as a business that is at least 51% owned and operated by an individual or group that is part of a traditionally underrepresented or underserved group. As an aside, I would recommend using the words diverse, underutilized, underrepresented, or disadvantaged business as it allows for a more inclusive conversation without implying a group is subordinate to a more dominant group. Okay, back to the primary point about who is often classified as a diverse employer. Common classifications are small business enterprises, called SBEs, minority owned enterprises, MBEs, and woman owned enterprises, WBEs. However, as the ways in which we have appreciated diversity has evolved, businesses owned by other underrepresented groups such as LGBTQIA plus individuals, veterans, and proprietors with disabilities has joined this definition. Supplier diversity in the United States began with the civil rights movement during the middle of the last century. In 1968, the automotive industry established one of the first supplier diversity programs. Early tech pioneers established supplier diversity programs around the same time. And eventually, Public Law 95507 established a program to encourage government contractors to include businesses owned by underrepresented groups in their supply chains. Ultimately, employers who launch supplier diversity programs hope to impact the communities and industries in which they operate by generating economic opportunities for disadvantaged communities. The U.S. Small Business Administration estimated that in 2017, 17.7% of employer firms were minority-owned totaling about 1 million businesses. In 2017, again, Ribbon owned only 20% of all employer firms. By the way, employer firms are those firms that have employees other than the primary owner. Veterans, by turn, owned about 6.1% of employer firms in the US by comparison at that same time. And of course, there is some intersectionality at play there. The fact that these numbers were likely adversely impacted by the burdens of the pandemic only reinforces employers' desire to double down on supplier diversity programs. Importantly, fostering supplier diversity has commercial ramifications such programs encourage competition and widen the pool of prospective vendors or suppliers available to employers. And of course, in a world where everyone is more aware than ever before about de candidates and customers are reviewing employers' DE&I initiatives as a part of the package. To that end, supplier diversity programs have become a selling point when hiring and when developing the brand. But despite the attractiveness of launching a supplier diversity program, success does not come without potential hiccups. To that end, I offer the following suggestions to those who are planning to revamp or roll out a supplier diversity program create a supplier diversity program as the official policy of the company. However, understand that developing a supplier diversity program is not the work of a single day. Instead, I often tell folks that supplier diversity programs, like many DE&I-focused initiatives, ought to be rolled out in a package. So, in addition to the internal facing guidelines and external facing website and application that you develop, you will also need to ensure that internal stakeholders are educated about how to appropriately implement the new policies. Consider running the Supplier Diversity Program out of the company's procurement department and identify an individual or a small group of individuals who are responsible for the program. These individuals should remain in frequent contact, especially initially with the company's legal team and the diversity officer, if you have one, to ensure that the program is rolling out as intended and without any unnecessary confusion. An employer should also consider creating a supplier database of all their vendors, not just those who are diverse. Such a database can include all sorts of information about the supplier, including their size, price quotes, certifications, and diversity status, if they should choose to disclose that to you. Such a repository allows an employer to easily compare suppliers' services and goods to choose those who are the most qualified for any particular project. Remember that to the extent you are going to create goals for inclusivity of diverse suppliers in your supply chain, these should be aspirational goals and not quotas or set-asides. Ensure that you always choose the most qualified applicant for any project. And don't be shy to elevate and celebrate your successful supplier diversity program. Not only is this a great way to ensure that your clients and potential applicants are aware of your good work in this space, it is also a great way to continue to build your pool of qualified suppliers and attract new suppliers to your organization. In the ultimate search for accountability, employers like to consider using different tools to measure the success of their supplier diversity program. Some do so at regular intervals by assessing the number of diverse owned businesses with which they do work. Others might evaluate the percentage of the procurement budget allocated to diverse suppliers. To the extent that you are an employer who is evaluating different ways to measure the successes or challenges in this space, I would recommend you partner with counsel to develop a process to do so. Employers might benefit from assessing success in the aggregate without focusing on and identifying any individual suppliers in their assessments. As with most DE&I initiatives, fostering diversity among an employer's vendors will help increase creativity and encourage innovation. Using the same vendors consistently instead of branching out into new markets can hinder creativity and small and diverse businesses can also offer added flexibility which may help them stand out from their more established competition. Vendor diversity really can be an advantageous tool in an employer's DE&I tool belt. Nevertheless, employers who wish to implement such a program should do so consciously and with patience. Well, we have spent another fun episode tackling how you can foster diversity amongst your workforce in a legally compliant manner. If you have any more questions about these issues or anything else in the DE&I space, please shoot me an email or give me a phone call. We will continue to unbox and demystify other DE&I concepts in future podcasts, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening.